Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Hey everybody, happy Tuesday. Brian and Denny here from Spark Rental. So glad to have you with us. And we are joined today by Mel of The Investor Couple, Mel and Dave. Mel, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's great. Glad we're able to connect. Absolutely. We're super excited to hear about your journey because you and Dave have been talking all about how you own over 240 doors with none of your own cash invested, which is something that every real estate investor in the world wants to hear about, <laughs> wants to learn about. Yeah, so, in full transparency, of course, throughout the years, we, we do the monopoly, right? We use some money and put it elsewhere, um, as we often do as investors. But yeah, we bought over 240 units uh, throughout the years. Well, let's rewind the clock all the way to your very first deal and how you guys got started in real estate. Yeah, well, when I first met, uh, and I'm fighting a bit of a cold, so my apologies if, if I sound no a little sorry. A little uh, different on, on, on the call today, but um, yeah, so when I met Dave, I had two buildings. Dave had the one, and uh, we decided that we wanted to, to do this together, to grow our real estate portfolio, but we had no clue how to grow and how to, to scale, so we did the traditional route of using our own money, and that worked for a little bit, and we worked uh, really, really hard. We're both working three jobs, trying to save for that 20 or 25% down, and, and of course, right, we hit that moment, that, that common roadblock that we run out of money, which often happens, happens. everybody. Yeah, <laughs> happens after a while, right? You only have so much, just so much fun. So that's exactly what happened to uh, to us as well. And then I remember being in Florida. We were listening to Rich Dad Poor Dad, of course, common book out there, and and it completely changed our mindset about oh my goodness, we are doing this completely wrong. And and that's when we decided to. We kept hearing about it, but we thought maybe it was illegal, um, all those things. And and we heard about credit financing, but no, it's it's not illegal. You, you can definitely do it. It's legal. You, you can. You had to make sure it did properly. And that's when we that the next year we bought to do lots of research and all that, of course. And. The next year is when we bought 12 properties in 12 months. That was uh, multifamily properties. So that was 56 units. And that was the beginning of changing our lives really with, with real estate. I was able to quit my full-time job in my 30s the next year. And, and Dave used to be a, a full-time, what would slide here, full-time firefighter. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> that's his background. And, and, and sorry, he couldn't be uh, here today with us. But and, and he was able to also retire in, in his 30s. That's great. Cool. <laughs> well, first of all, congratulations on that. Not Thank many you. people can say that they retired in their 30s. So walk us through your that first commercial deal that you did, how you raised the money, how all of that worked as a case study, if you will. Yeah, and I won't do, use specific numbers here, but I'll kind of explain the, the concept. It was with owner financing. Um, we do a lot of owner financing and it, it, okay. it, it can be done anywhere where we're located in Ontario, Canada, but it, we're applying the strategies in, in the States and Mexico and Dominican and Costa Rica. So these uh, owner financing deals can be done in different areas. You just need to know how to structure it and, and of course, know the exit strategy, right? How are you going to be paying them back? So uh, first deal was really having the, the conversation and asking them if they'd be open to 
to um, you know exploring perhaps holding financing um, for us and um, and explaining the benefits to them because at the end of the day people um, want to want to do this um, not everybody you're going to get some no's but we really explained uh, we showed them our numbers as well right at the end of the day nobody's going to lend you a substantial amount of money um, if you don't have the exit strategy that, that we call it right and and, and that's why. We often refer to that. How are we going to pay back, whether it's owner financing or sometimes we use secured funds like RSPs or promissory note? How are we going to be able to pay those people back? So it was really having that conversation with them, showing them our numbers, how we, how we see that we'll be able to pay them back, making it a win-win as well. So really spending some time listening to what they were saying as well when it came to what they were looking for. And so they were willing to, to hold financing for us. And and that was great. And if I can share a tip here with, with the listeners, and, and we didn't know Please. this here in the moment, but we thought this gentleman only had one property and he did not tell us about anything else. And that was great. And we communicate with, with him. We kept him updated. We paid him back early, you know, all those great things. And it definitely paid off because little did we know that he had a significant portfolio as well. Wow. One first transaction, we were able, I think we bought maybe three other buildings from him. One of them was 100% owner financed as well. So having that relationship and really being truthful, really being honest, we didn't play with the numbers. We made sure that it made sense. We, you know, followed up with him, we paid him back on time. We worked with him, you know, making truly a win-win, not only benefited us for that one deal, but again, we were able to kind of, so that was kind of a great way to start off. And then we just kept doing, you know, improving every time, right? Every time we met with an owner, if it didn't go well, Dave and I would brainstorm like, oh, well, you said this, or I shouldn't have said this. And <laughs> you, know, you know, to do, we just decided what really worked, what didn't work. And at the end of the day, what do they need to hear to make them feel comfortable? Let me ask something. You said that you invest in Costa Rica and all over the place. Do you find that, there, that you have to learn each location and, and what works there? Or Yeah, great question. And it's different, right? Like if you want to invest in the States as a Canadian, for example, well, you want to avoid double taxation. So there's definitely certain things that you need to do differently and that you need to be aware of. In in Canada, we're mostly multifamily buy and hold is typically our strategy. Um, often where we're going in different areas, it's, it's short-term rentals that we're doing. So, so although a lot of the strategies um, are the foundation of what we do, so owner financing, it's pretty much the same thing over in Costa Rica, for example. Okay. We show them our exit strategy. We show them how we're going to pay them back. We made sure that the deal made financial sense before getting into it. But having those conversations took place, you know, literally just all over the phone or just via Zoom type of thing. And it, it can be done anywhere, but it's really making sure that you do have a team in different areas. Because when we purchased, for example, in Costa Rica, we, we bought it without seeing it. We did our due diligence, of course. And then while well, somebody else has to do the property, one of them was were built, one was already existing, but it was a new, new condo. The other one was a, a house where it needed renovations. So in that case, well, I'm not doing renovations all the way from, you know, northern Ontario here. So I had to find somebody who would oversee the project. And as the owner, of course, making sure whether it's me or one of my team members that oversees the project and making sure that the decorations are right, well done. And the, of course, first uh, that the renovations are well done as well. I have to ask one more question. Yeah, well, no, how no. did you get involved in real estate? Was it um, your parent or somebody that um, was involved in as well? Or, or was it just something that you just did? 
you know, it was at first, it was just something that we kind of did. I, there was no, I don't have any, anyone who knew real estate. Dave had no background in real estate. I was marketing and, and business was my background. Dave was a firefighter. So we didn't know throughout the years, we've definitely invested in ourselves. We still do. I still have three coaches, um, you know, as we, cause now I see the value of, of not trying to do it on our own. And, and at first I did, I was very stubborn and I thought I've, I know how to do this. I'm going to figure it out on my own. And, and I did, but it was really, really costly because I definitely did, made a lot of mistakes when my first property was had to sell it. I don't own it anymore, for example. <laughs> I don't, so did I make some mistakes along the way? But no, I had I had no background in it or any special connections. Um, I just learned along the way, and then eventually decided to finally invest in, in myself and and with some some coaching and learning from my own mistakes and and all of that as well. Very cool. Yeah, I think we can all relate to uh, some of the early mistakes based on our, our hubris of youth, <laughs> where we thought we could do it all on our own and figure it all out. And then you end up learning, losing your shirt on those first few deals. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of nights uh, sleep and a lot of unnecessary stress, right? And then a lot of money, of course, as well. Oh yeah. No, I yeah. was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, been there. Yeah. So we touched earlier when you get seller financing, the, the seller doesn't want to hold that note for 30 years, right? I mean, they, you know, they, especially if it's an older seller, I mean, they may not even be alive in 30 years. So you, you need to, you know, like you said, you have to have some sort of exit plan where you're going to pay them off in full, usually within, you know, three years, five years, you know, maybe seven, but you know, not a, a medium term there. So how have you gone about finding that permanent financing to pay off your owner financers in the past. Yeah. And it's really, and, and I mean, I have a big exit uh, sign beside me here because honestly, <laughs> that's the, that's the foundation of what we do. And, you know, you have to know how you're going to exit before you enter the deal. And the reality is, and I see it sometimes where people, they get excited there. Somebody's willing to hold owner financing. Hey, they're excited. And I don't need no money down and that's great. But do you have your exit strategy? Because not every deal makes financial sense. And it all comes down to the numbers. You know, you have to take the emotions out of it. Maybe it's the perfect location or maybe it's the beautiful building that you've had your eyes on. Um, and that certainly happened to us as well, where it's like, oh, it cash flows. Well, that's amazing. Cash flows. It's perfect location, has all these things. But I don't have my exit strategy. You know, the numbers and, and you're bang on, Brian, right? Looking at the looking at the the numbers, you have to make sure that the numbers that you have your exit strategy and it's not going to be in 30 years from now, right? They're going to be depending on the terms, you know, it could be three years, five years, seven years. It kind of depends on, on your negotiations, but am I able to? So we definitely go for underperforming properties where we can have more control over the deal, right? Uh, appreciation is amazing, of course, but you can't control that. You can't predict right. something that's going to happen in the market. So I don't count on natural appreciation. I go for forced appreciation where it's underperforming and I can really force appreciation. And then I look at it, you know, does, does my ratios make sense? Do I have the, the build-in exit strategy? And if I don't, I don't buy the deals. And and the deal, the year that we bought 12 properties in 12 months, for example, I definitely analyzed a whole lot more. Dave and I definitely analyzed a whole lot more than 12 properties. That's just the reality. Many of them did not make sense. Some of them cash flowed, but I didn't have an exit strategy. So we can go for those ones. Yeah. Makes sense. I like the exit strategy. You definitely need an exit strategy in real estate. And, and that goes doubly when you have owner financing and someone who you need to pay them off in a few years. 
So do you have a, a team of lenders who you work with and have, have established relationships with that you can go to to refi out some of these owner financing uh, deals that you do? We do. I mean, I, I usually, again, I, I, I don't like that as an exit that I would just, you know, pay out a, one lender with another lender type of thing. Typically would be part of my refinancing for that specific building. So that's usually, you know, the key that I look at is, is this building on its own self-sustainable that I can have its exit strategy for the specific building, not necessarily I'm going to borrow another person's money to pay off this one, right? Just because I think that's how people can, can get themselves in trouble. Do I have a pool of investors throughout the years? Absolutely. Um, am I always looking for investors? Absolutely. We, you know, we're, we're continuing to to grow and, and do different things um, as well. So of course, we're always, um, like many investors, looking for, you know, serious uh, investors as well who 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 wants to to invest but yes we do have some and, and again it, it's one of those things where we truly try to make it a win-win and some of my lenders may want to invest in canada only some of my investors only want to invest in in the state so uh, it, it's finding who's the right person for for what not everybody wants to go too far not everybody wants to buy underperforming you know, so it, it, it just depends on on, uh, on on the lender and the type of, of loan that it is is it secured it is not secured because outside of owner financing and that's the thing like if i have if i find an amazing property and i love the building and i love the numbers and everything's amazing but the owner's like i'm not interested in selling and holding financing right. um, and that's going to happen i get a lot of no's of course um but i'm not going to stop there if it's an amazing deal that i know i can you know find the funds for and, and that's where we'll look for secured funds or or uh, or perhaps unsecured funds as long as again the deal can sustain the, the ratios okay how often do you go out and get traditional financing you know maybe private money through a portfolio lender or something with a an owner held second a seller held second to make up that down payment as opposed to the owner holding the first lien and the only loan against the property second mortgage for the owner is definitely more common in my personal experience just because it's less amount right if you look at real estate over the past 10 years of course it went up i mean there's zigzags but of course it went up significantly still overall so i do find that often there will they, they'll have that 20 or 25 percent to to help me with that down payment they may not have it paid out in full right because otherwise they wouldn't be able to, to loan out that money i mean if they do sometimes they want to be in first and that's why they they want to do that um but the majority of the properties i'd probably it's hard to say give a number but say 75 80 percent would have been in second when it comes to owner financing um, I've had a few 100% owner finance deals, and I had a few where it was owner finance in the first, and I used, for example, RSPs, uh, somebody else's RSPs or secured funds for for the second. Okay, and can you break down for our audience uh, what are RSPs and how do they work? Yeah, so RSPs are secured funds here in Canada. It's like a 401k for listeners in, in the U.S., and essentially, you're not pulling it out. Nobody would want to do that because you'd get ding a lot of fees and it would not be at a win-win. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're essentially offering them a, a better rate. So again, it has to make sense for, for both uh, the lender and the lendee. And you're, it's, it's secured by real estate. So a lot of investors who may not be happy with their 401k return, perhaps, or their RSPs, um, and they want to have a higher return on their investment and still have it under the umbrella of, of RSPs, um, would lend it out and, and we do the transaction and of course we'd have to offer a, a better return than they're currently doing. So it, it ends up being that true win-win. It's still secured so if they feel their um, money safe. I have my exit strategy. Otherwise I wouldn't bother 
with them or my time even to present the deal, of course. And it's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity for people who do have secured funds who may not be happy necessarily with their returns to to invest in real estate without actively doing so. And, and that's a reality as well. A lot of people, you know, the, not everybody wants to what we're all doing here and find these deals and overseeing it and, and those things. Some people understand that, hey, I love real estate. I know that's a true way to, you know, create wealth for the long term, but I don't want to be doing what you're doing, Mel. And that's where it's a great opportunity for others who may have a line of credit or secured funds to still invest in real estate, but having me and my team um, essentially do, do the work. Makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're actually doing a webinar next week all about passive real estate investing and right. how to earn high returns without actually becoming a landlord. Because as you know, <laughs> it is a ton of work buying properties directly, you know, renovating them, screening tenants, signing leases, collecting rents, you know, all that stuff. So exactly. let me ask and, you this. Yes. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. And I was just going to say, I was just going to add in. And that's the thing, like as you grow your portfolio, you're going to have to make some decisions for, for yourself and for your family and what you want to do. Do you want to be 100% passive and, and, and be a lender? Do you want to be an investor? Do you want to be an investor and also a property manager? Because those are two you know, landlords, mm-hmm. different things. And at first, I started off my journey with being my own property management, uh, doing my own property management. And I and I loved it at first. Um, and then it came to the point where it wasn't fine. It's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an investor, not a landlord. Um, and that's where, you know, you, you do have to make the choice of you probably can't do both forever, especially as you scale to being able to, 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 uh, well, to hire people to do it, especially if you're going to be going outside your area, you'll need a team. Um, and that's the thing, as you grow your portfolio, you can start to, to have more and more team members, of course, to do the renovations, to do the construction, to do the renovations, to help you with asset management and, and books and all those types of things as well. So it almost gets easier the more you the more you grow after a while. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, you benefit from not just experience, but an economy of scale uh, with this as well. So do you how often do you sell off properties after the uh, the balloon hits for your seller finance notes? And it, it depends. Often we refinance. So refinancing typically has been our, you know, what we do. So we refinance. It's a tax-free transaction when we refinance. However, sometimes we'll sell some properties and it's not, I don't have, I wouldn't, I'd be lying if I said I had a ma- magic number, you know, two years I do this type of thing. It just depends on the deal it, and depends what opportunities I have. Um, you know, right now I'm selling a couple properties because I we're working on a big fund and, and we're going to be putting some of those funds in there as well. And, you know, so we're doing different things where, you know, kind of like the monopoly, right? Take some of the <laughs> something different. And that's and I don't think people need to be as afraid of doing that as well. Although, you know, I love buy and hold. But although I'm, I'm still holding, it's going to be inside a different type of project type of thing as well. So and for the timing, honestly, it just depends. Sometimes it's sometimes it's been the market. Sometimes I've had somebody offer me an amazing deal and it was like, you know what? It's a win win. I, I love the deal and I'll take the, those funds and I'll, I'll do this with it instead and, and, and makes, it helps me get to that next level. So it's just really looking at it from 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 the, the property itself. Do I feel like it? it hit the ceiling maybe, and I, I could find another underperforming one instead and those types of things. Does that make sense? Well, that makes, makes total oh sense. <laughs> <laughs> makes total sense. Well, as, as we wrap up here, I want to ask, what are your best tips for people who have not ever done an owner finance deal before? What are your best tips for them to negotiate 
owner financing with the sellers that they're that they're working with because that's there's a bit of an art and a science to uh, working or talking sellers through this right and and sort of negotiating this with them and explaining it and pitching it so can you just give us some of your best tips for that for someone who's never done it before yeah no absolutely i mean number one you got to make sure you know what you're doing you got to make sure at the end of the day this was my fear when I started was that you are dealing with somebody else's money. You should make sure that you know exactly how you're going to pay them back. And if you're not very confident in that, your exit strategy is not very strong. And if you don't have a clue where to do that, you probably need a coach. Like you want to make sure you're doing it properly. Of course, the second thing is don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid of no's. It's okay to get no's. All of us get no's in real estate investing, and it's not a bad thing. And and I'll just share this as well. Like I hold financing right now for four for my properties that I sold in the past couple of years. Why would I do that? I've never met the I've never met them. I don't know what they look like. Why would I why would I do that as an investor? Because it benefits me. So there are benefits for the owners to want to hold financing. Um, and, but it may not be a good fit for everyone. Some people will want to exit. Some people don't want to have that. However, some people may need that exit. And what I mean, what I mean by that is that as an owner, um, here's a, a quick little case scenario. If I, if I may take an extra minute, but uh, for example, one of the properties that we purchased, the husband passed away and that was the husband's role of, of taking care of the management. The wife was not involved. She didn't care about this. And all of a sudden her, her husband passes away and she has no exit. She doesn't want to pay all these capital gains in the same year and all those kind of things. So for us offering her this opportunity, it really was a true, true win-win. I bought the property, no money down, no joint venture partners. I solely own the property. And for her, it was a way that she could sell her property right away, get rid of you know what's considered a headache um, and also help her from a tax perspective. So go in it with that mindset that it's not a good fit and it's okay but that you can really, if you know how to create that win-win with them as well, it can really be a, a positive transaction. And the cool thing as well, once you do that and you build that relationship with them, once you pay them back, they have a lot of fun. To, yeah, perhaps now they want to do a promissory note. They're different things with you as well. That's cool. Makes total sense. That is the crux of all negotiation, right? Is, is finding what's in it for the other person, finding what it is that they want that may not be obvious at first. So I love it. Uh, Mel, where can people connect with you and Dave and you know learn about what you're doing, maybe even invest with you guys? Where can people connect with you? Yes, absolutely. We're all over social media. So if you're not following us yet, we have a YouTube channel. There's new videos every single week as well. So we have lots of content there and on Instagram and Facebook. And it's always Investor Mel Dave. Um, so at Investor Mel Dave, if you search that on any platform, you'll be able to, to find us there. And, and we release content uh, daily on all the other platforms as well. We're even on TikTok. You'll, you'll see me there. <laughs> a little uncomfortable. So, <laughs> so we, we put some links in the comments here to your website and your handle social on social media, media uh, mm -hmm. and also a link to an article that we have about what is owner financing and how that works. Rebecca Taylor from the audience says, wow, great tips. Uh, thank you, Mel, for speaking. And Re Rebecca speaks for all of us. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This was so much fun. Uh, I love what you guys are doing. Keep it up and come back soon. And yes. <laughs> yes. Thank uh, you very much. You're very welcome. Happy to come back anytime. And maybe next time uh, I'll be able to, to have Dave in here uh, with us as well. I'm sure he'd have lots more to say than, than I do. So <laughs> uh, I think oh, you've been great. great. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Have a good one, you guys. We'll see you next week. Did you know we offer a free eight video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? 
It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side. Yeah.